0: Hello! My name is Adrian Lopez and this is Good Bad Movies. I am joined, of course, with Adam Snyder. Adam, how are you today? I'm
1: fantastic, man. I spent the last hour eating a peach. (laughs) Um...
0: (laughs) I had water in my mouth. You said that and I almost spat it out.
1: What movie are we talking about today? Uh,
0: We are talking about maybe the most epic 90s action movie I've ever seen. It's called Face Off.
1: Face Slash Off starring, That's right. <laughs> starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage.
0: Yeah, and, and they switch faces and they switch voices and we have an action movie.
1: This movie, man, these two actors are so confused trying to play each other's characters.
0: Well, we can get into that uh, a little further, but actually I think only John Travolta was confused.
1: Well, it's really hard to match that Nick Cage energy, especially in this movie because oh. right off the bat is at an 11 and then john travolta has to try and match that 11 and i feel like matching nick cage at his five is impossible nick cage's five john is john travolta's 11
0: no 100 so nicholas cage plays a terrorist murderer sociopath named Castor troy and he is kind of a part of a a crime duo with his brother what's his brother's name of
1: course his brother's name is Pollux Troy.
0: That's right. I don't know how I forgot that one. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> half the joke you just <laughs> forgot. Yeah, Castor and Pollux are uh, they are our two main baddies in this movie but of course I don't even know the other actor unfortunately but Nick Cage is is the big deal here. He he plays Castor who is he, he's like clearly like your FBI's most wanted terrorist and what Adam was saying Nick Cage plays him at an 11. In the beginning of the movie the, the entire premise is that Castor Troy accidentally killed Sean Archer, John Travolta's character, his son. So he killed Sean Archer's son because the bullet went through John Travolta's shoulder and pierced his son while they were playing on a, what are they called? Merry-go-rounds?
1: Carousel. Oh, I guess a merry-go-round, yeah. No,
0: it's a carousel, you're right.
1: I think they're the same thing. Well, whatever.
0: But he kills his son on accident and now John Travolta has this vendetta against Nick Cage. And that's the cold open too, isn't it? It is. That is the cold open.
1: This bizarre sequence of John Travolta rubbing a child's face on a carousel and then Nick Cage with a sniper rifle and he shoots him and that's how it opens and it's the most jarring entrance of a movie you can get but i yeah. think it's telling of what this movie will be. And in
0: honesty, right, compared to the the remaining, i don't know, 90 minutes in this movie, it's very tame. Uh and that's not true actually. It's not remaining 90 minutes. I forgot that this movie is well over 2 hours for some reason. Yeah.
1: Two hours, 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's very long. Well, you know what? 20 minutes too long. In fact, I'd say maybe 50 minutes too long. Like, they could have cut a lot of the fat off this steak. And it still would have been, you know, your Dollar General frozen steak. But it would have been a better steak than when we got here. This movie has a lot of duds all the way throughout. There is fun to be had with this movie. Like, I think especially in the beginning, and we watched this together, I think we should mention. Having you in the room and watching this and getting all the way up to the point where Sean Archer... John Travolta successfully kills Nick Cage's character, and they switch his face with Nicolas Cage's so he can go and talk to his brother and negotiate to find out the location of a bomb that they planted in L.A., and that's really where the movie takes a massive turn, because of course the Nick Cage's character is not dead, he was just comatose, and he switches faces with John Travolta, and a lot of the action ensues. (laughs) And I think for that beginning part, when everything was kind of moving in the first act. We were in it. We were were watching it. We were enjoying it. The Nicholas Cagery was on 12, and it was a blast. And then it hits that you know 60-minute to maybe 75-minute mark, and for me, it lost a lot of oomph. And it didn't matter that I was like watching it with you. It didn't matter that it was this ridiculous premise. It just started to drag. I mean, ultimately, that's what I'm bringing into this episode with me today, is I think this movie really dragged. And I think the lunacy of it all is only so charming.
1: Absolutely, this movie's biggest weakness is its incredibly long runtime. Like this cheesy, ludicrous action thriller 90s movie is two hours 20 minutes. Like, please, no. Yeah, you I mean, are. this is
0: <laughs> to give you an idea. Like, this is 20 minutes shorter than There Will Be Blood. <laughs> And this, this movie is not There Will Be Blood. Yeah, it's that's not. Insane. I know, right? It's, it's <laughs> insane to think about. It just makes no sense. And it's a huge flaw with this movie. It's interesting, right? Because I, I guess some people would like argue that the length of a movie isn't very important. You know, you like it or you don't and, and you, you enjoy the ride while you're on it. But I really think that with something like this, a John Woo directed 90s action thriller with two huge actors, it was never a good idea to go with this length because the people that are watching this movie this is your fast and furious crowd this is not the crowd that's going to watch a two hour and 20 minute movie and for me it's no wonder that this movie wasn't received very well initially as a result
1: was it not initially received
0: well then okay so it grossed a lot so it was released on june 27th and it made about $23 million on its opening weekend. And it was number one in the domestic box office. However, as far as a critical response goes, it was torn, right? There are a lot of online outlets that do like it. Notably, the one that I found was that Roger Ebert gave this movie like a three out of four stars, which is insane. There are, you know, like San Francisco Examiner called the movie idiotic and and several other publications kind of tore into it. So I think a lot of people saw beyond the star power and ultimately, I think the movie got the rating it deserved. But if you look online now, a lot of people like this movie, which I want to just say is probably because of the camp. I don't think it's because the movie's actually good.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, The charm in this movie is its absurdity. The fact that they were like, this is the movie. This is the action. These are the stakes. It's unbelievable from start to finish. And it it somehow one-ups itself quite a few times. But there's that little sag in the middle, you're right. Yeah, believe it or not, this has, I'm reading here, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. 89% 89% of Google users like this movie, 82% oh, yeah. on Metacritic, 92% 90... on Rotten Tomatoes. I
0: was gonna tell you that one. It's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I don't I would... want that to be confused with what happened back in the day though. I think if you look up stuff now that's online, you're gonna get a lot of people that have reviewed this movie later on.
1: Yes, in retrospect, this is a very beloved movie. Right. That's part of the reason we're doing it. Part of the reason we're doing this because it was recommended to us because that's how many people love it. Shout out Che.
0: Shout out Che real quick. I hope Che's listening. By-
1: popular demand we're watching face off we're talking about it
0: we never forgot you i wish we did (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> you wish you could take back the two hours and twenty minutes.
0: So long. It's so long. It's so long. But jokes aside, let's get into the into the meat of it. Our plot.
1: My favorite part of this movie is the beginning up until the face change. And then after that, once again, it kind of sags. But it begins with, like we said, this child shooting, and then immediately cut to three years later, and they're about to catch the guy. They're about to catch Nick Cage. John Travolta's this hardened jerk, grizzled police. Detective, and like he's just mean and brutal to his whole staff, and he's just like, we gotta get the guy. Stop celebrating. There's there's people. We gotta we gotta move. Quit ever. Quit talking to me. Just start. You know. And he's just like a jerk. <laughs> But then we we cut back to Nicolas Cage. He is arming a bomb somewhere. And we later find out it's in the LA Convention Center. And he arms it in like some back room. And then he leaves and he's dressed like a priest. Like a Catholic priest. <laughs> and he's like dancing because he's happy that he armed the bomb. And he starts doing this dance in these priest robes. That is just ludicrous. It's so bizarre to look at. It's really funny. And then he's just like,
0: we'll say decide. Unpriestly. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but anywho, it's absolutely absurd, and yet that's why you're watching this movie. You want nothing but this, essentially, right? You want this ridiculously huge Nick Cage performance. You and I were not Nick Cage fans, really. I'm not. I'm not a Cage head. I'm not super into much of his work. I think it's kind of crazy the guy still gets all the work he gets. However, if I am watching a Cage film, this is what I want to see. Stuff like this priest sequence where he's walking out. He's, it's almost as if he in this scene was the muse to Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 with the emo goth scenes where he's like dancing and moving down the streets. It's that level of ridiculousness.
1: That's exactly what it is.
0: It's exactly yeah, it's, that. But it's, it's goofy, but it's fun and it's welcome, especially after the cold open where we literally see a kid die. So I like it, right? And then or we get to know Castro Troy a little bit more and he's on this private jet and he's with his brother And his brother's just kind of this little computer geek that sits in the corner and watches his big brother all starry-eyed. Builds bombs. Yeah, he builds bombs and, you know, sweats in the corner.
1: When he gets onto this jet, one of his cronies gives him a box of evil in it. There's just various pills. I guess you assume he does a bunch of drugs, I guess. But more importantly, in it, there are two golden pistols that are his trademark for the rest of the movie. Castor Troy's golden deagles, baby. And, uh, as they begin to take off, in surges every police officer vehicle in LA to stop that plane. I don't know why they waited until he was in the plane to try to stop him but that's when they sprung into action and, and there's this great scene where John Travolta's in a car playing chicken with the plane and Nick Cage comes in and kills the pilot you know he's not going to give up so they're playing chicken with each other uh and one is in a jet the other's in a police jeep and it's already so absurd like that's the movie basically they
0: had to have spent half of the movie's budget on this sequence alone they blew up everything they had in this scene they are in a hangar and guns are just ablaze and calm Cars are blowing up and planes are blowing up and I don't know, it's it's insane. And then like a bunch of people die. Ultimately, it comes down to Sean Archer versus Caster Troy.
1: This sequence and the ending sequence are clearly the most expensive. Like you said, the jet crashes into a uh, hangar because it couldn't take off, and then the door gets kicked open, and he jumps out, Caster Troy, Nick Cage, with his two pistols just shooting firing. After this dramatic capture of this character, it's Nick Cage and and John Travolta both have a gun pointed in each other's faces and then they're hurling insults at each other with guns in each other's faces and having this crazy bit of dialogue that if this was real, one would just shoot the other one, but whatever. Eventually, Nick Cage does and we find out his gun has no ammo. Then he tries to fake him out and he tries to stab him and it's like a million things happen and then the jet gets turned on and the exhaust from the engine is so powerful it blows Nick Cage back and across the where he smashes into a wall and after that, you're, you're supposed to believe he's comatose. That well,
0: you're, you're initially supposed to believe he's dead.
1: Oh, yeah. They, they say he's dead.
0: When Sean Archer goes back to headquarters, they even make him a cake, right? Yeah, they get him some
1: champagne and some That's cake. That's right, yeah. We caught the
0: guy. Yeah, we got him. And he goes, no, good men died. You, you gotta tell them that we got him, you know? Try telling them that. Try getting them champagne. And then he leaves and goes to his office to sulk. It is shortly thereafter that we find out that... Astro Troy is not dead they are keeping him alive for a very specific reason. So,
1: they've got Castor Troy,
0: and they've got
1: Pollux Troy, but they don't know where the bomb is. So what they gotta do, the only logical thing they can do, Pollux Troy keeps saying, I'll talk when I see my brother. So what better plan could there possibly be than to remove John Travolta's face, and then remove Nick Cage's face, and then put Nick Cage's face on John Travolta's body. So they literally literally switch faces and this is of course the classic premise of this movie and what a stupid premise it is isn't it
0: it's so (laughs) stupid it's so stupid you you were just describing this movie and i couldn't even believe what i was hearing and i've already seen this movie I, I was just listening to you in awe and I watched it I lived it who wrote this it's something I probably should have looked up before but whoever wrote this is interesting to say the least and I'll, I'm gonna say this with my chest out I am confident they've never made anything serious in their life I will say that strongly and I'm looking it up now as I look this is the creator of the mask
1: of course it is
0: <laughs> so I stand by my statement
1: Mike Word and, and Michael Collery it looks like
0: two mics and man this premise is silly it's dumb Honestly. Honestly. Honestly, had you put any other actors in this movie, I don't think this movie would have done well at all. Like, not even financially. I think this movie would have tanked. I think they're fortunate that they got John Travolta here. And they kind of got John Travolta here after the resurgence of his career. Because John Travolta had stopped working for a a, a while. Hadn't done anything really commercially successful in a long time.
1: Yeah, he was revived by Pulp Fiction. And then chose to use his new life as a reborn actor to create Face Off
0: and but who could blame him right this was probably a huge check for him
1: yeah it's probably a lot of money to
0: be fair that i mean it had to have been anyway yeah, the premise though it sounds like satire it sounds like a snl sketch it's real and and that's what you're subjected to for 2 hours and 20 minutes
1: but with such a stupid goofy premise uh of course you have to get nick cage nick cage really makes this movie for me he matches the stupidity of this premise and uh you know we 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 aren't really nick cage fans because he's so stupid in all his movies people talk about Nick Cage like he's really a good actor and it's like, man the best thing he did was face off I don't know I don't get the Nick Cage there was some movie he, he was in recently that evidently is good in but I Pig, don't
0: Pig Pig everybody's talking about Pig
1: we gotta watch Pig if this isn't his uncut gems then I'm done with Nick Cage he's, he's gone
0: but here's the thing like we say we're not Nick Cage fans and that we don't really like anything he does and he's a bad actor but he saves this movie like he has the strongest performance in this movie without a doubt um
1: we say we hate him but then we love him because he's so stupid you know it's, it's... <laughs> Everything we've seen with him, we loved because he's dumb and Nick Cage in it. So, I yeah. don't know. It, we have a love-hate relationship with Nick Cage, I guess.
0: We do. I wanted to see him slam that punch. anonymous... Wasn't it punch Yeah, that punch, punch, <laughs> that punch energy drink from the fa- Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff movie. Willy's Wonderland. Yeah. Movie's
1: I mean, I want to talk about the plot, but how do you even talk Just about this plot? I mean, we shambled through the beginning, but the rest of this movie, like so much happens, so much crazy nonsense happens in this movie. Like, the ending, I think we counted five explosions, didn't we?
0: We did. Five separate explosions. Five whole explosions. That's
1: how high the stakes are. There are five explosions.
0: The nitty-gritty, or I guess, rather, the loose and open of it all is that, you know, of course, when Sean Archer wears Caster Troy's face, he's put in prison. He does manage to find out where the bomb is, but Nick Cage, Caster Troy, uh, he wakes up from his coma, faceless, and then switches faces with John Travolta's character. And, of course, he gets his brother out because now he looks like an FBI agent. He goes to John Travolta's house and lays with his wife and uses his influence over his daughter. Uh, He does awful, awful things. And, essentially, we are forced to root for the very uninteresting Sean Archer, just because you're kind of afraid at what Caster Troy will do while he's wearing Sean's face. I think the ultimate irony of this entire plot, and it's probably on purpose, is People love Sean Archer when it's really Castro Troy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he starts to do, like, really bold, big things within the agency, and people love him, and, and he loves to celebrate, and he loves to have a good time. You know, because now he's this terrorist with basic immunity. Uh, and it isn't till, really till the end where people start to realize, oh, this guy's doing some bad things, and we should maybe put a stop to that. That's essentially what happens in the middle slog of this film. The, you know, the stakes are exactly that. You know, this criminal is laying with his wife, is in his home, is the head of this agency, and then we get an incredibly huge and bombastic ending
1: yeah that that's a great summary i feel like of the plot a bunch of nonsense happens which i will say caster troy when wearing the face of sean archer so when he's being played by john travolta is much more toned down than when he's being played by nick cage okay. oh yeah how could you match nick cage he's unmatchable i guess
0: john travolta tries i can you know you can feel him trying to match that energy and for the first five minutes when the switcheroo has happened you kind of buy it and then i don't know what sequence or what order they shot these scenes in but i just feel like john travolta lost a lot of energy through the film and by the end of the movie he's just john travolta he's not trying to play sean archer but Castro troy underneath the skin of Sean Archer. You know, it feels very loose. I don't know, very lackluster. However, Nick Cage does a really good job of convincing you he's another man wearing someone else's skin.
1: Yeah, John Travolta is just evil John Travolta by the end of the movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but Nick yeah.
1: Cage. So when when Sean Archer wakes up with Caster Troy's face, so this is the first instance of Nick Cage playing Sean Archer. The reaction is so over dramatic. Like he looks in the mirror and sees Nick Cage's face and, like, yells and screams and, like, tries to smash the mirror in this, like, insane Bonnie Tyler music video over drama and they, like, shoot him with a sedative and it's, like, insane. And I think that shows the difference between Nick Cage and John Travolta.
0: It's not a good scene and yet I welcomed it because, again, the Travolta performance in this movie is flat. So, really, by default, Nick Cage is is the talented one here.
1: First of all... (laughs) What? I've noticed in the middle of this call, you've changed your profile picture to Nick Cage. <laughs> I did. Thank you. For that. You're welcome.
0: Okay. Where were we?
1: Where can you be in this movie? This movie is so all over the place. So, uh, Sean Archer has to basically become Castor Troy now that he's realized that Castor Troy's out there wearing his face, messing with his family, and probably causing evil in the world. So now that if he's gonna be me, I've gotta be him. Is sort of the situation. So he becomes this criminal. He starts fighting with other prisoners in the prison and it's supposed to be this like unbreachable prison It's like super Alcatraz They all wear boots that are magnetized so they stick to the floor But of course about 10 minutes maybe after they say you can't escape from this prison They escape from the prison Uh, Yeah, it's so
0: (laughs) short-lived
1: As he escapes he finds out it's actually in the middle of the ocean on an oil derrick It's secretly a prison for the worst of the worst and a helicopter shot shows up and starts shooting at him and he outruns the bullets and jumps into the ocean. You know, yada yada yada. That craziness happens. And he gets back to LA and and he meets up with all of Castor Troy's goons and cronies and he's gotta pretend to be him. Pretend to be crazy. And there's a scene where he meets this bald guy that I guess was in cahoots with Castor Troy. And they go to his rich kingpin crime loft on some high rise and they do a bunch of mysterious drugs. And when I say that I mean that literally Like, he gives him pills, and he doesn't ask what it is. He just takes the pills. And so then they're under the influence of whatever drugs these are. And that's when we get the classic line. Uh, We get Nick Cage as Sean Archer saying, When I find him, I want his face off. And he does this motion where he, like, grabs his face and, like, like throws it into the air. And they say this line at least three times. Like, every person in the room goes face
0: off. (laughs) They all repeat it. Yeah, they all repeat it. Eat it and they all think it's so funny and i'm sure john Wu thought it was so funny i wish the credits would have rolled here that would have been the perfect ending for this movie but we have another hour at least uh, of the movie after this scene but yeah high nick cage but really john travolta stumbles into his room and passes out and goes to sleep but you know I-, I like the fact that it's one of the only times that sean archer has really cut loose was when he's living the life of crime i thought that was kind of a cool thing but other than that yeah <laughs> the, the bit is way played out
1: and then after he wakes up uh he wakes up to the feds taking the high rise by storm there's gunfire everywhere every person in the room whips out some insane machine gun caster troy's ex-girlfriend who we find out is actually the mother of his secret love child whips out at least 14 different machine guns every scene begins with her picking up a machine gun and ends with her throwing it down and then like five scenes after that she does the same thing it's insane And she's running around with a child the entire time too. Child in one arm, machine gun in the other. It's the most just hyper intense action you could get.
0: Which might speak to the popularity of this film with a lot of people. Like I I think a lot of people like the escapism this kind of thing can offer. Because like I said, this is your Fast and Furious crowd. Uh, I'm not personally a member of that crowd. I don't really like movies like this. But I absolutely understood the appeal while watching. It's
1: this high octane insanity that keeps this movie from any semblance of realism like there's a lot of scenes where you feel like it takes itself seriously like it wants to be a serious movie like in the instance of making these two actors play each other's roles like it feels like they're really trying to do something with it but then they they write in insane amounts of action like this and you can't take it seriously there's five explosions at the end and by that point you're like whatever but basically there's another scene after that where they're in a church because the funeral of one of the people that got killed is happening and then nick cage as sean archer waits behind so that way he can have this final showdown with uh, john travolta as caster troy and there are doves everywhere for some reason there's a crazy shootout in a church and they flash jesus on the cross like 14 times with doves and then there's like 14 different hostage situations situations and it ends in a speedboat chase that ends in five explosions and an insane death involving a harpoon but yeah that's, that's the gist of the movie basically <laughs>
0: Uh, I couldn't have described it better. The end scene, I think, is where they the intensity picks up again. There is an entire Mexican standoff, and frankly, you know that the two main characters aren't going to die, and you don't really care about Nick Cage's friends, or his baby, or his baby mama, for that matter, so that's not super important. At the end, though, when the harpoon gets involved, my brain is in flux right now. Who is it that has the harpoon to who?
1: See, the harpoon scene like it makes no sense at all, and it's hard to determine even when you're watching it.
0: Right. Well, okay, okay, okay. So
1: Sean Archer is holding the the harpoon to Caster Troy. He fires the harpoon and Caster Troy grabs it. He's like caught it before it fired out of the gun is what happened. So,
0: So he's holding it back so it won't actually become a projectile. And then John Travolta does his best to act like Nick Cage and gives Sean Archer that crazy stare and you get the sense he's about to do something. He says something along the lines of you know you might have bested me but every time you look in a mirror you're always gonna see me and he begins to carve into his face uh, John Travolta's face of course in an attempt to be I guess just petty (laughs) Be like yeah you won but I'm gonna mess up your face and just like starts to carve it but then he lets go of the bolt and it goes into his stomach and he is harpooned to death and that's your big finale
1: yeah and then despite the facial carving next scene is sean archer with his john travolta face back like nothing happened and it's like okay cool like why with the carving i don't know but whatever that's
0: that's the movie that is the movie uh want to mention this movie is academy award nominated
1: is it really for what what could this possibly sound effects editing yeah it's okay i was like not for the performances surely Ah,
0: what if though yeah it's only nominated for sound effects editing which again with these big blockbuster action films absolutely makes sense and frankly I didn't even think the effects were bad in this movie. For 97, everything going on here is pretty tight. It's really just the performances and the writing that dragged this movie down. And uh, I guess the only diamond in this rough would have to be, I can't believe I'm saying this, Nick Cage carrying this movie on his shoulders. It's insane, but it's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... (laughs) It is true. There are great things about this movie. Like, it is a fun, stupid, stupid, stupid action movie, and that's why most people like it, I think. The -the over-the-top effects, over-the-top dialogue, over-the-top performances, over-the-top premise, it's great to watch for that, but then, that movie should only be an hour and a half long, and this movie's two hours, twenty minutes, and that's its greatest flaw. This movie is obsessed with, like, the imagery of these two characters, like, being opposites of each other. Like, there's Multiple scenes where they each are holding guns to each other like parallel, the shots parallel, and they're both pointing at each other. There's a scene where they're on either side of a mirror holding guns and they have to shoot into the mirror at themselves, and it's so like ham-fisted, but <laughs> all that sh- chicanery But I did have fun watching it, but there was also a point where I was like, okay, this is like I'm I'm done with it. It's been two hours,
0: please. I, I would say I had fun in the beginning, and then after a while, the charm really for me personally was gone. However, maybe you want to give this movie a watch. It's not one I would pass up, actually. I can't believe I'm saying that either. I've said a lot of things I can't believe I'm saying today. But I also think that this movie should be watched. It's rare that you see this kind of film anymore, where you just get two huge names and put them in this absurd action film. I, I haven't seen anything like this in a very long time. I think maybe the last thing I've seen with this much star power in it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in sort of a rom-com action film and that wasn't even recent so this is a rare film it's a member of a rare breed and i and i think it should be enjoyed i guess for what it is
1: i'd say people like this movie people love this movie people think this is a good movie so at least to figure out what the hype is about maybe you should watch it
0: yeah i agree our moms like this movie gonna say shout outs to moms once again this is another movie we would like to shout out
1: to mothers across the globe
0: orca and face off the two favorite movies of mothers everywhere
1: see i wish we owned like a video rental store and then there'd be like staff pick section and then there'd be like a mom's pick section just for moms yeah just for moms and orca and face off are at the top of this
0: (laughs) perfect you know my mom loves action movies so i under again i get it a fun-filled romp it's a romp but then it becomes a saunter yeah
1: and it it saunters forever
0: it does It it really loses some steam but nonetheless i'd say watch it if you can find it that is the one thing this is tough to find
1: yeah that is why it has taken us so long to do this episode is we couldn't find it anywhere. Eventually we just rented it.
0: Yeah, we paid for it, much to our chagrin. So again, you can rent it for three dollars or four dollars, depending on standard definition versus high definition, on Amazon Prime. And that's your best bet if you really, really want to watch this movie. It is Uh,
1: supposedly also on Pluto TV and Paramount Plus.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. So if you if you're one of the three people that has Paramount Plus, you can watch it without (laughs) paying something up front. Well, Adam, thank you for joining me.
1: It's always a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you, Adrian. And goodbye.